Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today is Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Troy, welcome to the show. This is my sixth podcast in a row, which I think is a record uh, <laughs> since like the second year of the podcast. Yeah. You're turned to uh, the 3MA Cal Ripken. It's I'm, great. I'm almost a regular again. It's pretty awesome. Almost. It's, you know what that means? It's time to fuck it up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's time to just disappear <laughs> without warning or explanation for a good two or three months. We also welcome back, uh, basically a regular at this point, uh, freelance writer, PC Games End Zone, Fraser Brown. Hello again. We should probably just start putting him on the business cards at this point. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Well, he's keeping his toothbrush over at my place. Uh, I got a good feeling about this one. I, I think <laughs> we're really going to make it last. Um, so today we're going to be talking about civilization beyond earth uh, at long last there's been a lot of anticipation around this one and i think to start out i would just like to clarify something because a lot of a lot of people i think are going to hear what i'm saying about this game and think i'm going to be penalizing it because it's not alpha centauri this is not true very early on i accepted this was not going to be a new alpha centauri game it's its own thing it's very different i am totally willing to accept this game on its own terms I'm not wild about the game on those terms, uh, but I just want to make clear that this is not a case of like nostalgia, the coloring perspective. Uh, this is this is someone who who was who was whose heart was open and willing to love again. Um, so with that, let's let's dive into uh, to dive into Beyond Earth. Um, you know, Troy Fraser and I have already talked a little bit about this game uh, among ourselves. I think we have a good a good sense of where we stand with it. Uh, but as kind of the resident civilization expert on the show, the guy who maybe loves the series more than anyone else here, um, you know what what do you make what, what's what's your overall first impression of uh, Beyond Earth? I guess I mean, my big issue I have with Beyond Earth, and there are many issues. It is first. Let's get this straight. It is a good game. This is, if you like Civilization V and you want to play something like Civilization V in space, this is a good game. I don't want anybody to get the impression that it's not. But I'm trying to put this in the context of another game we talked about this year, and that's Pandora, which we had very strong, positive feelings for. An independent game, also in the Alpha Centauri-ish Civ 4X mold. And there are a lot of similarities between the two. Um, we can probably compare them back and forth. And yet where Pandora felt like kind of, well, exciting and new, maybe this was from an indie studio and a small team, a lot of Civ, uh, Civ Beyond Earth feels like there's a bit of a blandness to it. There's a lot of great design ideas here. There's some bad design ideas here. There's also some really good and clever and interesting design ideas that I would like to see pushed a little further. My big issue with the game is that it's flavorless. That it doesn't feel like a new space doesn't feel like a new universe. This fits into a bunch of things that have been going around in my head. We can talk about them in some detail. But how you know the diplomacy is virtually identical to what happens in Civ Five. How the really interesting thing, you know, the affinities track doesn't really have a huge effect on the diplomatic relations or how you get along with other nations. It just seems to be different victory paths to something that is slightly different than the other one. Yeah, one, you develop mind stem points to... Affinities are kind of like ideologies in Civ Five. only you can research them from the beginning, and they all lead to three different victory conditions. 
but they all have quite a bit of similarity. You get to the end of the affinity tree and you build a giant wonder on the map, which is very cool. I wonder you can destroy and attack, I realized, which is very cool. But they all have the same sort of idea as you just start feeding stuff into it, either military units or mine stem points or what have you. So all of these affinities, so there's different bonuses all the way up, end up not leading to a great new experience. So, and this is this kind of path that's throughout the game, this melding together, this blandness, where all these really interesting decision ideas, like the virtue tree, I think, is very interesting. The way stations work, which could, be, could have been just city-states, but actually they're kind of a little more subtle than that, and I think that's quite neat as interesting. Um, and the, I kind of like the military perks uh, and the leveling of units, but it just comes together in a, in a good but bland beige package. Yeah, I think my first impression of it was was very much this, this felt in a lot of ways like uh, Civilization Five One Point um, It felt like a lot of the stuff had been sort of pared back from the later expansions, um, uh, Gods and Kings, and uh, Brave New World. Brave New World. I felt like a lot of that stuff had been pared back, and the the, the Beyond Earth was now actually very similar once again to uh, to Civilization Five was at its launch, with some with some of those those important distinctions you mentioned. Uh, but in the end, I felt like it was a sparser package than than I was maybe expecting. Uh, Fraser, you know, Troy brought up. Let's let's talk something I know you hate. Uh, Troy brought up the stations replacing city states. Uh, so oh, in yeah. the, in the new game, uh, this is a difference from Civilization Five. Uh, instead of having these little small minor powers that you have to give goodies to, um, you can sort of buy their loyalty and in exchange you get sort of rewards. Here you have little like trade stations dotting the map uh, that you can trade with, and the more people that trade with these stations the more everyone benefits it feels like they've just there's no i mean there's very little personality to beyond earth anyway but but stations are where they have their there's just none there's nothing there they they crop up or sometimes you can choose to to back a station so it pops into existence and all you can do is send your trade caravans over there to make a little bit of money or science or, or food or whatever, or just destroy them and and loot the remains. Uh, they are completely forgettable, and they just take up they just take up one tile. They never really grow or expand or do anything. It's like they exist outside of the rest of the game, and it's very easy to forget they exist. I, I kind of like the stations because I mean. You have to keep feeding them or else they disappear. Yeah. They, they will vanish and they'll go away. So if there's a station and you want to keep it going for the culture bonus. For example, in the early game, if a station pops up with a huge culture bonus, you want to keep that one going because you need that culture to get to, to expand your virtues. Or, I mean, or sometimes a, you're running an energy deficit and you need that extra little boost. There are these, I really do like how there are a bunch of small bonuses. They certainly aren't as game-affecting as the city-states are. They, they aren't autonomous actors. They're just a bunch of Moss Eisley cantina owners who set up a bar somewhere, and you're just selling them goods back and forth, and they'll give you little bonuses. Um, and by the late game, yeah, they're absolutely pointless by the late game because by then you're using all of your trade convoys to get real bonuses, either with your trading partners, or I mostly use them to uh, funnel production to my cities. 
uh, to get those last few wonders going. But in the early game, the early game, the stations I think are actually very important. And my first trade stuff is always with the station, deciding you want to get that science sped up to get because the way this tree is set up, you want to get to those external hubs in in the web faster, or just the border expansion. You're not ready for war, but there's some Firaxite, and you want to get there before your rival does. Uh, so I, I I mean I agree with you that they're not they're not really amazing and they certainly aren't a whole game valuable thing but as an early game perk early game boost I, I find the stations actually more useful than the city states uh, in so uh, five I mean you actually could just I mean the, the things that you get out of them the those little early boosts you could have with something like a city state where there was actual interaction there where they had units there there were they were actually kind of dealing with the world maybe aliens are attacking and they're fighting them off yeah, and, if, if, and there's little stories that play out there's just something there yeah. rather than just one tile that you can also trade with uh, but if we did that there would be one more thing we would say it's just like civ 5 mm. but this is kind of just this is like civ 5 but not as good it, uh-huh. it, that it's because it's still what they are are city states that's the analog um but they're you know not as alive and interesting as city-states. So it's just, yeah, like Civ Five, but not as good in this. Yeah, I'm going to ride the fence <laughs> on this, uh, because, I, like, for one, I actually found they did kind of scale well into the late game. Like, some of my late game uh, station trade routes were just kicking out ridiculous amounts of whatever they specialized in. Like, um, I've had late game trade routes that are, like, kicking out, like, you know, 40 gold uh, to me, or, or something like, you know, p- culture in the 30s and 40s. Like, some of those, like, tier 3 trading stations, uh, can you know, it's, 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 it's pretty good. And what I will say I like about them is that in... And I don't know if this is good game design necessarily, uh, but maybe, like, if it makes me use, utilize the, the option more, maybe it is. Uh, but with Civilization Five, I always felt like I was getting screwed a little bit by the city states. Like the fact that like their you know your favor eroded so quickly, you had to go and constantly like give them little gifts, cash, units, whatever. They're always on you about something. Yes, that was interactive, but it also made me. If I was kind of doing my own thing, a lot of times I would just look at these city states and be like, "Eh, you're not you're not worth it. I'm just going to focus on my own efforts." Here, the stations give you some of these bonuses w- without without the downside of dealing with the city states. On the other hand, then it, it kind of is like you know free money or free culture or or, or whatever, um, and and that leaves me in a weird that leaves me in a weird place uh, with with regard to the stations. Um, you know, but I, I want to talk about this this issue of flavor a little bit because I think this is the this is the central issue with this game, and uh, you even see other developers bringing it up a little bit, like um, uh, Arkin Games uh, in their in their announcement post for their for their new game uh, Stars Beyond Reach. They actually cited the Civilization Beyond Earth reviews uh, for you know why they felt like they had to put a lot of effort into creating a, a strong like you know thematic backing for their game because obviously that that is important. And you know, I want I want to start out with, um, you know, if you if you look at what this game sort of promises uh, at at the start with a, a pretty excellent uh, opening cinematic, it's really right? one, like it's, it's really one of the best I think of the year. Yeah, and probably one of the best that uh, Civilizations ever had. Though I think all the stuff in uh, Civilization Five pretty much knocked it out of the park 
or uh, knocked it out of the park as well. Uh, but yeah, this this opening cinematic, which is this really you know atmospheric and um, you know even haunting vision of Earth as it's being evacuated, paints this really exciting picture, right? Like it's it's kind of interstellar in in two minutes or less. <laughs> uh, you know, the Earth is clearly dying. It's it's sort of a global dust bowl unfolding. It's exhausted for resources, and humanity's just got this one last shot, which is to fire a ton of rockets out into space and hope that some somehow somewhere uh, somebody manages to survive and maybe even come back and uh, and and save the Earth. And that all seems to get dropped because in the in the main when you're playing the game if you're not delving into the civilopedia or anything like that if you're not reading any of the lore it ends up being really flavorless uh because it's not sort of bringing that theme back to the fore there's no there's not even a hint really there is not even a hint the the purity affinity, for instance, which is humanity must be saved as is. Homo sapiens is this is this beautiful thing that must be protected. You must go back and save the people who are left on Earth. You have to preserve the race um, and bring, bring create a new Earth. Basically, that is a cool ideology. You could do interesting things with that. What that means to me in practice is here are some units I get. And it's sort of this gating process, but there is never a sense that I have this alternate goal. You know, not I'm not just playing Civilization. I never have this sense that there's this other goal where, yeah, I'm playing Civilization, but at the end of the game, I have to go back and save all those people who were left behind in the opening cinematic. I don't learn that unless I start delving around the encyclopedia to understand exactly what the hell my victory condition is and what I'm supposed to be doing because the game doesn't really tell you. And that that is a problem when you have, like... When it does seem like there's some there's some interesting uh, thematic elements, there's some interesting story in the background, but it doesn't actually plug into the game you are playing. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I'm going to tie it into uh, a question that was asked to me on my Ask.fm page uh, a couple of days ago. Someone asked a question about ethics uh, in strategy games, and because they're all you're about, kidding, you know, right? No. But ethics and strategy games. This is not. This is not a joke about the thing that shall not be named. About <laughs> uh, it, actually, you know, ethics in, in strategy game design. You know, because they're all about you know, do they glorify genocide and war and all of this? How they're how they're problematic in design. This sort of thing. And I had a discussion on Twitter with some people, and someone raised a very good point that the problem with a lot of strategy games and how they see diplomacy is that they see it in pre World War II, 19th century states banging into each other for territory. And here we are, this great hopeful opening cinematic. Yeah, it's Earth's dying, but there's hope in it. And you land on this planet, and it's the same bullshit. People have just escaped. You're grabbing land. Everyone's acting like they're, you know, Wilhelm II or whomever, uh, threatening you and condemning you. I mean, how is the how was the leader of Brasilia any different from Montezuma oh my God. in Civ Five, right? So there's this never this so it, the the lack of context for all the victory events, and because it's a science fiction game, a lot of the texts are just you know vague descriptors. The events mean nothing to me. I mean, what is a Markov's eclipse? I have to go to the Civilopedia to look what that is. They don't get a building. I get a little single quotation. At least, you know, with Civ Five, you get a picture of the wonder. Now, these are all real things, so that's easy. But, you know, hire an artist. 
Now, give me a, a sense. I mean, you don't want to compare it too much to Alpha Centauri for all the obvious reasons. But there it had fiction, and you'd build a wonder, and you wouldn't just get like a little pithy maxim. You would get a nice picture and some music and a paragraph-long description of something or evo- that would evoke something. Or a so, video of Nobuduke Morgan doing backflips. Yeah, something. <laughs> Star jumps. There'd be something. And here we have this really deep world and this deep back fiction. I mean, purity, I, 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 until I read it, also, I thought purity was just about we want to make the planet pure and eradicate everything. But that's really not what it's about at all. It's about, you know, humanity. And I thought supremacy was like a military type thing, but it is, but it's not military here. It's a military invasion of Earth, which, okay, I just got here. Like, Gonna be the king of the dunghill. I, we yeah, left it behind. This there we go. Left, we but what the hell? Up. Let's invade. And harmony isn't about getting along with the alien life forms, as we think oh, it, kind it might. Of is. Well, it kind of is because the, the bonuses, yeah, the miasma will heal you. But the aliens will still come and kick your ass. It's not like you can be riding siege worms in a rodeo or anything. You know, this is, I mean, you can summon a siege worm in a spy event, and that's pretty much as far as it goes. As far as, and the victory condition is you build a giant brain. I guess. Yeah, it's a, a big flower brain yeah, thing. The, 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 the as mind, you go, mind, mind flower, that's right. Mind flower, that's it. As you go towards that goal, there's a little bit of flavor text around the victory stuff. And it's all about, like, they've realized that, like, the world has, like, you know, a personality or a, a mind and they want to communicate it it's, with it and yeah, become it, one with it. This kumbaya bullshit. But you look at, yeah. but you look at the Gaians and Alpha Centauri because there's a lot of ideal. Because even if the factions here aren't they're clearly different from Alpha I don't want to be that sort of comparison this, this is a design idea but there was there is the idea that you're getting in touch with the planet but the planet's not getting in touch with you there's no yeah but it's not reciprocal the aliens are still going to be kicking your ass the siege worms are going to be there so supremacy so it's all, it's all, all of them are about going back to earth somehow except for the harmony thing which is about becoming pinky in the brain in space. And I'll never understand with the affinities how, you know, you level up an affinity and then you're immediately given, like, uh, a message, oh, now you can upgrade your units. I'm like, well, how? Why? Why is, like, leveling up my affinity connected to me killing people and conquering? Um, It's just really, really strange. And that's the first thing you, you... you get notified with um, is that now you can make these new kinds of units because you're more pure or more harmonious and it just feels really strange and out of place like they've just forced in like where can we give affinity more meat oh we'll link it to unit upgrades and make veterancy not matter and so so some buildings uh, require a certain level yeah. of uh, affinity in a certain character. There's a lot of research stuff as well that's like you can only research or get this stuff if you're level 7 purity or something. Like so there's, there's a couple things I want to dig into uh, dig into there. And, and first I'd like to start with just um, the way the affinities themselves work. I was really hoping that it would feel like you were embracing totally different lines of play if you're embracing different affinities um and right now it does like to me it does feel like the harmony affinity at least has kind of its own path like there's certain things you can do with the harmony uh that, that you really sort of can't do with the other ones right like you can have the um 
you can have guys riding around the big uh, alien beasts, right? You can you can have uh, the, the the beast cavalry, whatever the hell they are, um, if if you go that route. I think I called them horse lizards. Or something. Well, I mean, every, <laughs> every, every 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 faction has it. Every affinity has its unique unit. So mm-hmm. right, but it, like if you go the if you go the harmony route, at least your relationship with the the alien life does seem to be a little different. The planet is less of a hostile force. I found supremacy and purity though to be almost interchangeable, right down to the victory condition. Actually, it was like the same victory condition, just like you know the the reverse image of it. Uh, they, they felt incredibly similar between those two, but. The bigger the bigger thing is is just if you're going to be like if I'm going the supremacy route, which is all like technology and you know te- technological prowess, and we will think our think our way out of all our problems. And by the way, we're going to have a high tech, armed to the teeth military. That sounds really cool. That sounds that sounds like it gets my old. Uh, you know that, that sort of industrial. You know scientific. Uh, style of play that I've always loved to embrace. So that you'd think that'd be sort of what I naturally gravitate towards and everything. But the problem is it just doesn't it doesn't feel special when I'm playing it. It doesn't it doesn't remotely feel like I'm doing anything um that I couldn't be doing with anyone else. You know part of why I think this is and I think this goes back to a core Civ 5 design issue is that there aren't any penalties for choosing one or the other. You're not giving anything up, really. Maybe foregoing is an opportunity cost, of course. But if you go the supremacy route, it's not like you're saying, well, you take supremacy, you're going past level five, these things are shut off to you, just so you know, and you can't get them. And it was the same thing, you know, in Civ Five. I mean, yeah, you have to choose an ideology, and you're kind of stuck with that. But, you know, all of the social policies, you could pick them all, and they were all bonuses. There weren't any malices attached. There weren't any trade-offs or negatives you had to consider. It was like a candy store. You just picked which one you wanted. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you trade that to something like an affinity, which is supposed to be, think this, is the, this is the dominant part of your culture, and, you know, sometimes you want to have, like, little bits of all of them. I generally just go up one, like, all, pretty much all the way to upgrade my military and then, you know, upgrade the other ones bit by bit because you don't want to have the miasma, the alien fungus, killing all your dudes. And, you know, you'd level up in harmony and then this idiot diplomat would come and say, oh, why are you getting along with the aliens? You should be pure like us. It's like, dude. I've got, like, 19 in purity. What the hell are you talking about? I just level up harmony to level four, and you're giving me a hard time? Shut up. I'm, I'm more pure than you. Uh, so there's never this sense of um, it connecting to anything. I think part of that is because you aren't giving anything up. You, could, you can go back to the other ones. You can get all of the bonuses. I was once, you know, level, level 18 in supremacy and level 10 in purity and level 7 in harmony. It's like... Whatever, I can do whatever I want, you know, and there's no, I think this is part of the problem. doesn't want to ask you to make the hard choices. Now, the virtues is kind of different, though, even though there aren't any penalties attached to the virtues, which are kind of like the social policies. There are enough extra bonuses for staying within a tree. Like if you get a lot of the green ones in level one you can, and just keep choosing within greens, you get the bonuses stack and they stack and they get bigger and bigger. You get extra bonuses up top, which kind of is an encouragement to not diversify too much in the virtue section. 
Um, so even though there aren't any penalties, the opportunity cost for you know take for being evenly spread across them, you're really wasting your time if you take you know a little like three military and three science and three farming and three construction. The the payoffs don't stack, so it's not, not worth it. Affinities, there's nothing wrong with sampling from all of them, so there's no. Pro, there's no so there's no personality because you aren't giving anything up. That's I think one reason why supremacy just feels kind of empty because you're building a kick-ass military no matter which side you take. Yeah, the the whole kind of sense that there ne- there's never any real penalties and it kind of removes the weight from the decisions that you make. It extends to even buildings because they've added the whole yeah, when you construct a new building you might get an event. Um, with a little bit of very dry flavor text, and then you have to choose a bonus. Uh, so you might build a new factory, and do you want this to increase production a little bit more, or do you want a bonus to your uh, energy income? I, 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 um, I do love. You're how never they, losing. I do out. love how they call them quests. It's the easiest yes, quest in the entire world. Yeah, it's cl- click one of two binary choices. But the, the, what I, I mean, I liked that it made building a little bit more interesting and you could customize your uh, your cities a little bit more by doing this um, but there's never any like negatives to it it's not like I, I think back to like Galsiv 2 where you know you colonize a planet and you get uh, when you're kind of doing your alignment stuff so you get an event that comes up and you've maybe find some weird alien life forms and if you put people near it it sucks out their brains but gives you a research bonus or something so if you're evil you're like well let's send millions of people over to these plants uh, you get lots more research but you lose like a hundred million people um, so there's this kind of balance, uh, and there's there's none of that in in Beyond Earth. And it's, it's a bit of a shame. It just means that no matter what you're doing, you're really making the right choice. I also found it a little telling that I found I was forced to use like the military system forced me to use the affinities, but I didn't really want to. It was like oh, I just I I really need the next I need to tear up these units. So I guess I'll what am I what am I closest to here? Uh, <laughs> I'm closest to level four supremacy. So I guess we'll just where's the, where's the supremacy tech? Okay, there I'll take that one. And that yeah. is not that is not an exciting choice, and that is that is not a particularly flavorful uh, choice. And the other thing is. I really kind of disliked how that military progress was completely tied to identifying yourself with an affinity, which was completely arbitrary. So unless you were also taking care to make sure you were climbing the affinity ladder, uh, you just couldn't get good units, including even basic ones. It wasn't just that the like more advanced special units were locked out. It's that your basic units also failed to upgrade because you hadn't hit the right affinity tier. Uh, so no matter how much combat experience like your Marines had, for instance, didn't really matter. They were still useless crap until you leveled up the affinity tier. But if you did that, then you were still better off buying the newer unit rather than investing time uh, you know, with the old ones. Because even though they get buffed up a little bit, they would still be kind of soft next to, uh, next to higher tier units. Um, so it was just it, it's a little frustrating it was a little frustrating to have a situation like that where because I was sort of just sort of grabbing technologies as needed to deal with various problems of growth and development that I'd had I discover midway through a game that's like oh god I have no military power whatsoever because I haven't been gaming this affinity thing and the moment you sort of force the player into like the moment I feel forced to just sort of 
embrace the system despite lack of any real like reward or um any there's there's no carrot dangling from that from any of the affinities it's just i've got to do it or else these uh, these technologies that i've researched are arbitrarily locked away i think that there's um there's one occasional type of decision that you get and that i wish i i'd seen a lot more of that does make the affinities a little bit more interesting which is where you you come to a decision and that affects your affinity. It gives you a little affinity boost, maybe even sometimes levels you up. And it's like a decision about your civilization. Like, how do you want to treat the aliens? Do you want to domesticate them or do you want to eradicate them? Uh, and that, and, and unfortunately, that doesn't actually have a proper real impact on the alien population. Um but it does allow you to define your faction a little bit more. So you want to, you know, keep them safe. So you're actually more of an affinity. Uh, sorry, a harmony affinity. Uh, it just it gives a bit of context to these otherwise uh, quite jarring affinities. But that's but though that decision is one of the really really early ones. So you're mm-hmm. you know, so you're like I mean, there's a host of very early quests. That pop mm-hmm. up uh, like this, and they get you know very repetitive, and you'll see them in every every single game. There's no variety, there's no change, no yep. difference in them. And because you can, you know, for I, I make that decision, and I go up one in like harmony instead of purity or supremacy. Great, but then I research a purity check, and now they're even again. So it's not <laughs> like that decision. I mean, as interesting as it could be, the effects. I mean, it's got a great set up, oh, what am I going to do with these aliens? And they all seem to be just animals. There aren't any, you know, sentient beings there. It's not like, you know, there are mind worms or anything that have a consciousness. So it's, there's never this great sense of, that sounds going to be a really important decision for deciding what kind of person you're going to be. Um, And I think some of this might be tied to the faction design, which we can talk about a bit uh, too, I hope. There's just no... It, it, the, those little decisions just I, I thought they'd be really really neat really really but now I'm just like okay I'm kind of like Rob you know how close am I to the nearest bonus I need well I just need a little bit more harmony and then miasma doesn't kill me as bad yeah after you've seen them all they, they kind of lose their uh, appeal and just you know what what kind of what faction am I playing am I, it's a heavily heavy culture faction so I guess I want to have whatever helps me in culture so all the decisions all the quests just push that my short on money, then I want the energy. I don't see, um, even the, you know, the game setup is just kind of geared towards what kind of game do I want to play today? Um, I also find it is really inclined to, uh, for me, I found it to be really inclined to sort of min-maxing as well. Like if you choose early, yep. what your general line of play is going to be like, yep. okay, I'm going to be, I'm just going to buy my way to the top. And you can start making decisions right from before landing when you're sort of customizing your starship and what's going to go on it and everything. All the way through every building, every building upgrade, you get that choice. Like, do you want a little more of X or a little more of Y? Every time you do that, if you're really consistent in your choices, um, I I find, like, it's kind of cool to see the game sort of completely break your way in a certain way. Like, now you've got infinite money because all your buildings are producing extra money and everything's got an extra trade route, which means more money. And by the way, you've also cre- unlocked some other things uh, on, the, on the virtue tree that gives you more money. So now, basically, you don't. who cares about production? You can, you can buy whatever you want. That's kind of nifty, but at the same time, it kind of also feels like a system that gets completely out of control midway through the game where it's like, oh my god 
God, he's got, like, just by default, before anything else happens, every city now is producing, like, 8, 10 extra energy. Uh, what that's that's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. So like, so I've had some games where like I'm just raking in like uh two hundred uh two hundred some uh energy per turn. It's it's kind of crazy. I I don't think I can play a game where of Beyond Earth where I don't become mega rich. It seems to be just so very easy to to make energy in Beyond Earth. Uh, just up to like even like quite you know early to mid game earning. Or like you know, three hundred energy per turn or something is not that challenging, um, and it, it kind of feels like well then you you do then start to just ignore other aspects of of the game and of customizing your your civilization. It's all about money because then you can just buy everything out. You can just purchase units immediately. If you've got a war, you don't have to worry about slowly building up your forces and managing your economy. You just buy a shed load of units use them, and then when they're done, then just disband them and you're back to earning, like, 300 energy a turn. And don't forget to send your spy to an enemy city who steal their units to have exactly. detractors, you and, know? It's, yeah. That's how I build and, my and army. And steal their energy as yeah. well. The espionage system is actually not bad. I liked it. Yeah, I, me it's too. very yep. simple, but very clear, uh, and you have a lot of options. Can we rest it into all the Civ games? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've talked about how bad espionage is in so many strategy games. And, yeah. you know, and this is actually quite an interesting one because cities have you know, intrigue levels based on how much spy action is going on in that city. And that makes higher level missions more easy. And you have, you can, of course, have counterintelligence in your cities, but and the AI is more likely to target in in Beyond Earth than it was in Civ Five. You're non-capital. In Civ Five, they're always going for your capital. The target, you know, pretty much all of your cities, or if they find they're being shut down in the capital, they'll go someplace else and try to steal your stuff, which I haven't seen in a Civ game before. There's a limited number of missions, and it lets you know how easy or hard they're going to be. Some of them are just, you know, let's set up a spy network, let's steal energy, let's steal science, but then it's let's steal tech, let's make units defect to us, let's try to start a coup. There's all of these neat... If things that just okay, pick the mission. You wait a number of turns, and you hope it works out, and the guy doesn't get killed. It's a very simple, elegant, I think, great espionage system, and I did not expect that at all. I like as well that there's um, a lot of opportunities for getting more agents, and yep. so you can actually like if you really develop your espionage uh, and you you invest a lot in grooming agents and everything, uh, you can actually get a lot done across a lot of different uh, factions. It also doesn't have that horrible thing in previous civs where, like, you basically were able to invest in espionage against one or two people, yeah. and once you did anything useful, you totally burned your network and it was gone. It was You couldn't do anything ever again. Uh, here, I kind of love the idea that you can actually just keep amping up uh, the espionage activity until you really start unleashing hell. Uh, that's that's really cool. Uh, so yeah, well done. That that totally works, and it's something that I was surprised how much I was how much I was using it. I was sort of really excited to be like when I realized I need to fight with another major empire. My first move was to start just like flooding agents into all their cities and to start like establishing networks and laying the groundwork. And they're they're starting to catch some of my agents. Like, hey, why are you siphoning cash? I'm like, oh man, it's cool. Don't worry about it. I'm really sorry about that. You know, shit happens. And you know, like ten turns later, it's like, hey, why did you steal technology from me? Oh man. Well, and meanwhile, like my troops are like you know, forming up on the border. It's really cool to have espionage sort of become a useful tool like that. And because, like I said, you can just, you can, you can have, you can add, as 
uh, Fraser was saying, some of these choices give you, you know, more energy, more production, whatever, for your buildings. Some of them, it is get an extra spy. Yeah. And, you know, you can, it's just so great. It took me a while to figure this out. Like, my thing, my, my third playthrough, I realized, holy shit, I can just blanket Brasilia with spies in all of their cities. And I can see what's going on everywhere. Um, so, I mean, uh, if the AI wasn't as bad as it is at fighting a war, that would have been very useful in a war. And you can choose the focus of the spy headquarters as well, yeah. which gives you uh, extra bonuses. So you can uh, choose to focus on like domestic stuff and, and kind of protecting uh, yourself from other spies. And I think uh, do you get like a health bonus or you want, something health, like health that. Health bonus is one of them. And I always, yeah. I always enter health bonus because holy shit, it's hard to keep these guys healthy. It is really bad. Yeah, every time you build a city, it's like now everyone's sick. Yeah. <laughs> That is probably my least favorite thing to see ported over from uh, Civilization Five. Yeah. The sort of draconian punishment for any kind of expansion, except toward the end game, where this thing completely becomes irrelevant because you've got buildings just like, hey, you want? Do you want four health? Hell, do you want six health? Go for it, big guy. You've earned it. Which what it, I, gets a little annoying. It, I did like how it meant that you had to properly plan. You don't just build a colonist. Um, I think it could have been done in a more uh, elegant way, but there. The the health situation kind of inspires you to go down certain paths to build certain things and to prepare for another colony, uh, and there are lots of things in the in the virtue trees that um, help your health yep. in very odd ways. Like for every there, there's one virtue that for every trade route you have, you get or like for every two trade routes you have, you get one more health. Um, which doesn't it doesn't explain why or how, uh, but you do. So if you're, it kind of inspires you to be a, a big trading power. And of course, you get you know money and, and goods from that as well. Uh, so yeah, it, it allows you to kind of expand or encourages you to expand in different ways before you then build another city. So let's, Troy, you, you, you referred to it obliquely a few minutes ago. Let's, let's get into faction design, or lack thereof. Uh, since you sort of set the table, why don't you, why don't you get us started, Troy? Uh, what, do you, what do you think of the factions? They're... Faction design is hard. It's one of my favorite things to look at in strategy games, especially 4X Empire building games. It's hard to give them personality. It's hard to make them interesting. And, you know, Fraser was on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about Endless Legends and how... Really, it does interesting things with factions, how all of the attributes of each race are sometimes very different from each other, and they lead to very different styles of play. This is good faction design. And you can even look at Civ V, where they take historical analogs and give them attributes, but they still end up playing quite different from each other because they are quite distinct. Like the Celts, for example, they get extra faith for undeveloped forest. So you might want, not want to be chopping down those woods quite yet and building farms, which you might for any other civilization, because that faith bonus is actually quite helpful. Uh, so the question is, when do I decide to build my logging camps, blah, blah, blah. Uh, when does faith stop being useful? It's a faction attribute that turns into an important gameplay decision. Bad faction design is when a faction is, I mean, as much as we like to talk about how great Master of Orion was, Master of Orion was... Space elves, space dwarves, space sand people, you know, extra production, extra science, extra good at military. 
without anything else, just with all they were. They were just, you're good at this, you're good at this, you're good at this. That is very primitive faction design, and it was great for when it was, but we've moved beyond that. I think Beyond Earth is kind of really old-fashioned like that. The factions of... I guess the Brazilians are a militarist faction because they get a military bonus and Fernando or Francisco or whatever his name is is in the uniform. But that doesn't seem to affect how he plays. Unlike, say, you know, Alexander the Great in Civ. He has the, he has the historical analog. He has great special units. He's going to come and attack you. That's what he does. I tell us the same thing. He's going to come and attack you. He's a military person. So the faction attributes don't spill in. They're, they're just that. They are merely mathematical numbers. They all have, there's no animation of the characters really beyond you know a couple of saying the same quotations over and over again. Yes, Mr. African guy, I understand that trade is good for villages. You don't have to keep saying it every time we say hello. Uh, and there's no so there's no feel that these are living people I'm interacting with. That these aren't. I mean, even in you know, Pandora as not well as greatly well written as it was at least all of the factions had well they're ideological which helps not territorial uh listening from alpha centauri they're ideological so there was a sense even in the canned text that they had different priorities there's zero sense of that here that these factions are different from each other that they have different goals that they'll play in different ways that one will choose supremacy or purity or harmony based on anything beyond whatever tech they end up researching. I'm not sure there's a trend. Maybe there is. Maybe Fernando Francisco Hernando is going to go for supremacy. But I also see a lot of other people doing it. Um, the so-called the lady who always quotes Adam Smith. Yes, yes, Adam Smith. He wrote a big book. He also likes welfare. Finished reading it. Um, you know, there's none of this sense that any of these personalities plug into anything beyond here's texts are going to say and here are their attributes and i kind of want you know even though the very beginning civ 5 had and a lot of it is the chrome a lot of it is the animations a feeling that these are people who are alive who have goals who have priorities i mean montezuma even that animation of him lit up by the altar and the fire and the fear even if montezuma was just a plus one bonus to fighting in jungles and that was all he had that in itself would transmit a value to me and transmit something important to me and some meaning. So the mechanics don't work and the chrome doesn't work. So the factions just become rough territorial national analogs of a world that's dead and doesn't matter anymore. And so it, as, as much as I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some really nice things about the game at the end of the show. Please, Mr. Nuxley, because there, there is really a lot to like uh, in the game. Uh, but I can understand why a lot of it has gotten some very, very mixed reviews as well. And the faction design is really it's a disappointment for me here because, you know, this is, this is space. This is a future. I mean, why are they all in, in national groups anyway? Um, so, yeah, there's my, there's my rant. And this is this is something that bothers me a little bit about the the faction design as well is that it's kind of weird in the first place, like making them national groups, but then you also end up going out of your way to not actually say anything about you know like races and cultures. 
yeah. you know, on present day Earth. Whereas, like, you'd sort of see a sketch of that in, and here, like, inevitably, I, I have to get an Alpha Centauri a little bit. Like, you know, you had, like, Chairman Young as, like, the, the, the sort of, like, and the nihilist endpoint of, of sort of like Maoist collectivist thought. There's something like that Young himself is rooted somewhat in some dark passages in China's history. And you you could maybe read that as being a bit like problematic in, in as far as like is it making a statement about Chinese, whatever. The game goes out of its way to sort of indicate like, you know, even though Zakharov is is Russian basically everyone is aligned by faction not by race here the implication is much more like okay it's the it's the space indians the doors of the temple are open to you cool all right that's in no way concerning um it's it's the space it's the space french lady oh the african guy he's just a humble farmer talking about villages awesome great uh but nobody seems to have carried anything forward from the earth for all for all that like you read these little passages about we must learn from the experience of Earth, which, yeah, if you have a certain national background, there's probably a few things you, you would take away from from sort of the experience of, of human history. And they'd be different depending on what culture uh, you, you were a part of. But the moment everyone touches down on whatever the hell planet you, you wander into, all that disappears you're all basically the same except for these little blurbs that are sort of nods toward national identities that, that are completely meaningless. And the, uh, it's and, and the, the the setup of the game where you choose your you choose your faction, your little mini bonuses, and then you get to choose a bunch of other things. You know, what is coming with you uh, on the spaceship and what are you gonna start with as a unit, a soldier or a worker, this sort of thing. And all of this seems to be yet another way to make every faction kind of the same. Because I'm, I always choose a worker, but why wouldn't you choose a free worker? Why would you, why would you choose a free clinic? It's your first building. You'd be able to buy it after your first freaking trade route. Um, so there's this, there's never any... So that, that opening bit just makes everything even blander and more the same. Razor, say something nice about... Say, say, say something nice about the factions. Uh, oh, really? Something nice about the factions? I think that's going to be a very difficult thing. The, I guess they they look quite. Some of the cities look quite nice. I guess they all look the same. But there were no Scots. Really, I found that a relief. Yeah, I, I was glad that they didn't put any Scots in there as well. I wouldn't want to see what they would have done with us. <laughs> um, I, just, I I have so little to say about them because they are just numbers. They're so they're the most boring things because uh, there's there's. They're not just numbers, they're numbers without any real context. Uh, and it, it kind of feels to me that when they decided they were going to do a, a sieve that was on another planet, an alien world, they got to the point where they had to think, well, well there are things that we can't just lift from Civ 5 because it just wouldn't make any sense. Um, and we need to create a new context. And then they just decided, you know what, we're not going to. We're just going to make each faction a tabula rasa and let players imprint on them. But it's really hard for a player to imprint on something that has nothing. There's no foundation there. So you, each faction starts with, with like, is it like one or two bonuses? Or they're, they're called sponsors, aren't they? Um, so you get the Brazilian guy gets more uh, more defense or offense or something. Um, but it, But there's nothing there that makes you think there's a character behind that or motives. And so when you get to the actual game and you're customizing it yourself, yeah, you can just go whichever direction you want and it feels natural because there's nothing saying, well, actually, this guy's more peaceful. Or, uh, but it just doesn't feel like 
you're a real person. You're just gaming it. You're you're playing the numbers, and yeah, it's just disappointing. I, I think you could probably sense how exasperated I am with it, to be honest. Also, you know, there is something to be said for not forcing players down certain roads uh, and, and not having the game develop this sort of repetitive structure like, oh boy, here's Montezuma, I guess, and now this is going to go because his aggression is turned up to 10, so it's always going to go this way. Or there's, there's you know, uh, Queen Isabella. She's going to try to expand right up on my doorstep and I got to, you know, chase the Spanish off. It, it's, yeah, it, there's, there is maybe something to be said for, for not forcing the game uh, to, to go, go that route. But the problem is what, what you're killing off there is sort of the um, ongoing story of civilization that you know you don't have that like ah montezuma we meet again you don't have that uh, you don't have that you know you screwed me three games ago but the last game we were okay and you were you were irrelevant the, the game before that um you you lose that you lose out on that uh but the the other problem is it become it makes it makes it hard to sort of track it, it it actually becomes harder to sort of understand what's going on in the game because there are no natural alliances or if like um you know small a affinities between the factions uh there there's no natural like alignments where the way like um Zakharov and and uh sister Miriam were pretty much always going to be enemies uh there are very few games of uh Alpha Centauri where, where you don't see some antipathy uh between those two factions uh and it makes it harder to figure out sometimes even who you're dealing with. Like I had a real hard time remembering um, whether I was dealing with Brasilia or Polystralia in, in game after game because their colors are a little bit similar. Oh, the colors are both... terrible. They're all the same. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, okay, this is the green guys. Are these the green guys I like or the green guys I'm worried about? And once you're in the diplomacy screen, you can't check anything else. You can't like go back to the map or anything. So every time someone offers you a deal, boy, you better have remembered where the cities are and what the map looks like because you, you just otherwise you'll have no idea uh, what's going on. You cannot check basic diplomatic information uh, from the diplomacy screen. Which is also another. It's very difficult in the game to get a sense of the state of play overall, and having all the factions be interchangeable exacerbates that. So I think one of the big problems with with playing Beyond Earth was uh, when I played Beyond Earth was because I just played Endless Legend, um, and Troy, as you, as you mentioned, you know the their faction design is just fantastic. Uh, and each faction has its own little narrative. But you can still go off and do your own thing. You still have the freedom to play, like, the, what are they called, the necrophage or whatever, the horrible yeah. insect monsters, they need everyone. You can play, you're, you're going to probably be playing aggressively because you can't make alliances. But you still have control over how you play aggressively. You, you're still able to customize your experience. But there's nothing... There, you, you can do that, but in Civ Beyond Earth, you've just got this blank slate and nothing else. So all you can really do is try and make your own experience. Troy, you feel like we're bashing on this game a little bit. That fundamentally, this is a good game. I think, I mean, it is fundamentally Civ Five, and I think Civ Five is a good game. Um, and this is, my, it's certainly more than a mod. And there are quite a few... You know, little touches here and there that I think are quite nice. For example, I, I like the military system. I like how simple it is. Um, 
you don't have a whole bunch of different units to research. There's none of this unit customization crap you would see in Alpha Centauri. It is, you know, there are little perks and their upgrades based on your uh, on your affinities. But generally, it's like there's just there's just one kind of plane. And you can decide what you want that plane to focus on, you know, attacking units, attacking cities, being an interceptor, whatever. But there's one kind of plane, and that's going to be it. Um, there's, you know, there's your melee infantry, and there's your ranged infantry, and those that's all the infantry you're going to get. So none, there's none of this. There's a tendency in so many science fiction games to give you, like, a thousand different options for things. And this is where I think Pandora's, you know, leveling up of units and its unit expansion tree got a little bit unwieldy towards the end. But I really like the simplicity of that, how each unit has a purpose. And you can focus that purpose through the veterancy and through the supremacy perks. But there's... You... Uh, I like how easily things are defined. It's kind of like Civ Five. Only Civ Five has like, oh, you've got to level up all these different things, and then by Brave New World, you had, oh, here's a Gatling gun. What do I need that for? I don't know, but here's a Gatling gun anyway. I was like, so what do you use it for? Well, it's a ranged unit that can attack from like one square away. Great, thanks, I suppose. Um, so there's, I, I, I do love that focus. I like, I think trade is so much more important and beyond Earth than it was uh, in Civ Five, even with Brave New World, where it's really, really good. It is, it is really the lifeblood of your empire. You've got to, you can't wait until it's, you know, fifty turns in to build your first uh, trade thing. They are so, so useful. It's kind of why I really love the stations because you can get these bonuses going early, and it's kind, of, and it's very easy to do, very easy to set up. It's a system they moved over from Civ Five that I like a lot. I've talked about the virtue system a bit. I like the virtue system. It's a social policy thing from Civ Five ported over. But I do love how it has the three different tiers and the stacking bonuses if you go through the tiers. And, you know, there's often some really tough choices in there. It is, do I really, do I want that 15% wonder production bonus over there? Or do I really need that extra settler from the green thing over here? Um, and just like with the affinities, there's a tension, more so, more so with the, than with the affinities, there is a tension between specializing <laughs> and spreading your wealth. I think you're always better off specializing in the virtues, and I'm sure I'll get an argument about that in the forums, and I hope I do. Um, I, but I really love that. I think that's actually the most interesting, most interesting tough choices are there uh, in the game. Um, and I like killing aliens. I mean, there's a they 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 really are kind of like really nasty wildlife and get really really big, um, but much more so they're not just a, a nuisance like the barbarians were. I mean they're they're, ne they're never going to take a city, but they can really like slow down your expansion. They can harass your explorers. We haven't mentioned explorers, which you can find lots of neat little things scattered throughout the map. I really love how the aliens are a barrier to expansion, even well into the mid game. How they can. You know, they, they can block an important pass to an enemy, and they're just, you don't want to waste your soldiers attacking them because they can actually kill you. Uh, there's, uh, I like having them there as a wildlife threat, as in, even if they, when they start dying easy in the mid-game, they still got to be cleared because of the sh stuff they can do uh, to your trade routes, to your workers, and the like. So uh, there are a lot... There and it is you know even if it I really like Civ Five. If you don't like Civ Five, and our good friend Tom Chick does not like Civ Five, so he did not like Beyond Earth at all. Um, and I'm not going to say it's I'm going to it, it I'm disappointed with how bland it is. 
Um, but you know, I've it didn't take me very long to get my eighty hours in, right? Um, so it's not like I, you know, walked away and went straight back to Civ Five, though I probably will soon. Uh, there is, there's an, it's bland and it's dull. And I, this still seems like it's really early for the game, and I kind of wish they'd had a little another six months to add some polish to it, to add some flavor to it, because I know this team's capable of it. Um, and you know, I, I think because XCOM was so great, Brave New World was so great. I guess I was kind of hoping they'd you know really blow me away with something that's not Alpha Centauri, but it's still pretty damn awesome. And this is good. It, it, it's good, but it, it's, it could be much more. I think I'm more like a disappointed father, I think, than anything else. You can definitely see where there were times that Firaxis just got it. Uh, and I think that the virtue system, which you've mentioned a couple of times, is, is a perfect example of that. Because the, one of the major differences between that and the social policies in Civ Five is that you've just got all the trees are present. Like, there's... There's only three trees, but they're much longer, and you can start activating them whenever, uh, right from the get-go, instead of progressing your civilization. And that makes sense, because you've already reached the point where you've gone into space. You've already progressed that I, civilization. I, I am so glad I don't have to discover roads again. Yes, exactly. It, it, it's nice that you feel like you've, when you've reached that new planet, you're already fairly advanced. And the virtue trees really make you feel like that. And there's so much, and, and you said that there's, you know, it, it rewards you for focus. But it also rewards you if you want to just go off on different divergent paths. Because getting the, the bonuses for each of the three tiers might necessitate that you actually select things from different tiers. So I think even if you are focusing on one, there's a benefit to maybe picking a couple of things up from the other ones, and you'll maybe get a few bonuses as well. And I enjoyed exploring them. And there's some really very specialist stuff in there that, that's, that's only really there if you've got a very specific strategy. And I like that they've taken that into account, that players will be thinking that way. Um, and a lot of the, the, the trade, I think the trade thing where you get more health, that's one of those, uh, those very specific uh, virtues. So I like that there are all these options to play around with. It feels well thought out. I'm torn on this because I definitely did put a fair amount of time into this game. Mm. Um, I found it very easy to while away hours playing this game. And yet, this is the first time I felt kind of... Calling something slot machine is loaded, uh, but I sort of had the same feeling that you get when you've... You know, the, the, the feeling of having spent too long on an activity for no real reward, no real good result. You just kind of kill time and it's gone. And there's not really anything that you can point to or there, there there's there, there wasn't really enough there there wasn't enough substance there to uh to, to to say that time was well spent and this i think is the first time where i i sort of feel like this is what happens when like this is what happens when one more turn stops being a phenomenon associated with the game design and becomes the game design itself um where all the gates are there all the progression is there. All the things you got to wait for so you can do the next thing. All of that's in place, but it is in such a familiar package and such a bland package and such a slow developing uh, package. Like I find this an incredibly slow game. 
uh, in a lot of ways. There is an awful lot of hitting next turn and just waiting for things to happen because they're really in some ways there really isn't that much going on there there aren't that many technologies uh there there you know there's there's no epochs that are going to sort of change and and the world's going to change with it uh so there's just an awful lot of waiting around and yeah it can get its hooks into me because it's a civilization game um you know there's 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 nothing about this design it's a known quantity there's nothing about this design that is is not going to to sort of get you on the hook and, and keep you playing for for longer than you meant to but this is like one of the first times when I, when I come away from those experiences and I look back on it and I think, well, was that really fun? Was that an enjoyable use of my time? Or did time just pass? And in this case, like a lot of times I just come away feeling like time just passed. It just vanished. Um, and in some ways, I think if I'm, if I'm going to be playing a Civilization game, I think at this point I'd still rather be playing Civilization Five with with all the add-ons. Um so I just you know it's it's yeah it's it's a good game because a civilization is by default good. I just I don't know that that's I just don't know that that's that's enough or that that's a that that's a great standard. Um, so I'm I'm really conflicted because like if if you ask me, well did 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 you you know put time into the game? Uh, you know was it sort of fun? Yeah yeah it was. Um, but at the same time, it's also the first time where I've I've kept playing a civilization game despite being kind of bored, and and that's kind of a new and weird feeling for me. And I think part of it is coming on the heels of a lot of really interesting four X's. This just doesn't there there just isn't as much it, it's hard for me to get away from a sense of like disappointment and sameness with this game it kind of feels like it is neither beyond earth because all of these all of the factions are basically you know regions they form ethnicities um and it's not beyond civ either and i feel that that's made for axis be really conservative uh and in when they really should have been doing crazy things uh pushing it out there because it's on another planet and then they also have all these expectations even though they made it very clear early on that this was not alpha centauri when people think of civilization and then they think of space they tend to think of alpha centauri even though alpha centauri was not a civilization game um and i i feel that maybe their response to people wanting Alpha Centauri was to say, no, we want, you know, and, and Rob, I think you and I spoke about this a while ago, is they decided, no, we wanted to do our own thing. And and their own thing just ended up being Civilization Five again. But, you know, you know it was like putting uh, a square peg in a round hole, really. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's you know it's it, it's fine. Uh, Civilization Five is is a fine game. Putting a new skin on it and and doing and making some tweaks to it is is okay. Uh, I just yeah. I it's not something I can it's not something I can you know recommend unless you really like want more of that formula. And for me, I kind of felt like uh, you know with with Brave New World, I, I kind of felt like I'd I'd had all that I wanted from Civilization Five, and I really love that game. And this just did not this did not hit me the same way uh and so i felt like it was it was a less good civilization five in some ways uh but not enough its own thing uh so yeah i i think this is one for uh you know one one for one for your true civ diehards but where does this uh, where does this compare to pandora for you rob because you had nice things to say about pandora would you think this is as good a game as pandora or are you grading on a curve Ooh, uh 
I think it's here's the weird thing. I, I think it's a I think it's a better game than Pandora, uh, but less enjoyable if that makes sense. Like Pandora is kind of the balance. The last time I played, I haven't played for a few months. Uh, the, the the balance on that is really weird. Uh, that 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 game is a game where I played a few I've played it a few times. I'm still not sure it always really works. Uh, you know, all the way through. Um, you know, it, it seems like a lot is left up to starting location. There's a lot of variance. Uh, Pan, Pandora's kind of an odd duck, and Alpha Centauri and uh, not Alpha Centauri, um, <laughs> Beyond Earth. Uh, Beyond Earth definitely functions maybe a little more reliably as like you're sitting down, you're playing the same strategy game, it's going to follow certain rules, and you can sort of rely on those. So it's a little more of an, uh, maybe a better strategy game, but a way less interesting sci-fi strategy game. Uh, and so I think like once I'm done with this, I'm probably going back to Pandora and and playing around with that. What I'm really playing a lot more of is, is Endless Legend, of yeah. course. Uh, but which but I, between which I think like, it's clearly the best forex game of the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think definitely. that's that's a pretty clear win. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah. yeah, with a lot of competition as well, it's been a good year for four X games, which is maybe why you know Beyond Earth coming out now is kind of been even even more disappointing. I think even though it is, and I, and I agree with you, Troy, that it, I think it is good. Um, I was I thought I'd be playing it for for a long time after the review, although a, a very unfortunate multiplayer game with Rob kind of put me off it for a little while because that was very depressing. Um, the multiplayer is not great. Uh, but yeah, I've not played it enough to. However, however fast do you think that game speed should be? Make yeah. it faster. Just oh, speed yeah. that up. It's like twenty minutes of just clicking next turn a few times and not being able to do anything. That's not fun. That's not a game either. Uh, so yeah, that was a bit. I've I kind of gone off it for a little while. I think I'm going to take a rest and then come back to it. But I do want to come back to it because I love Civilization. I just, I kind of just wish that this wasn't Civilization. I love Civilization, but I've got Civilization Five and it's still good. Um, and and Brave New World made it properly great. Uh, so I just I don't feel the need for Beyond Earth to be yet another civilization. I think for our end of the year show, we should have someone on who gave this game a really high score to defend, to, not to defend it, but to explain why they love it. But I mean, you you won't have a hard time finding them because I no, think I mean, quite a lot of people really loved and it. They, really got and they, I mean, Holly Green at Game Ranks gave it a perfect score, which is great. Russ Pitts at Pod uh, rewarded for PC Gamer gave it a very good score. Some really smart people who have really good histories in civilization. Uh, are really taken to this game. And I think people should, of course, look for other opinions that are out there. Uh, there's there's something about the Civ formula that people really, really get into, I, and that's going to be enough for some people. Well, yeah, but I, I, I kind of feel like there's also the, the there's also the problem of there's a lot of outlets that review one Civilization series, and that's Civilization. They review Civilization and Total War. And so every once in a while, like, you've got a lot of outlets that wake up and remember, oh, yeah, strategy's a thing. Uh, and, and review a game and then vanish because, well, they're not reviewing all the others. Uh, so I, I'm, that is an I, issue. I, I, tend, yeah. I tend to take a lot of the, the inflated scores you see for Civilization and Total War games with a pretty large dose of salt just because um, a lot of these places aren't there between these, these sort of 
you know big tent pole strategy releases. There aren't many of them left. Yeah, and if true. you're not if you're not following the context, I'm not sure you have the the, the finest grasp on uh, on what's happening in the genre. I I, I wish we got in Russ because he he does play a lot of these games, uh, and I, I'd be curious to hear hear his take on it, um, and, and Holly as well. But yeah, maybe at the end of the year we 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 just have a, a battle royale uh, about this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for the for the moment, like. For the moment, I, I think everyone knows where where we tend to stand towards us, Siv, and this is where we've come out, uh, which is, um, I guess, I'm on the low end this time, and uh, you guys are a little little warmer towards it. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, a week or two ago, I would have been a lot warmer, but that was before <laughs> the multiplayer catastrophe. Was it that bad? <laughs> oh. oh, Troy! <laughs> oh. It was. We didn't finish it rob just had to quit because it was getting too emotional for him i just rage quit (laughs) well no like because because like the aliens like i i just totally crapped out with starting location where i was boarded by an ai uh and then i started trying to expand to what looked like clear territory and wandered up wandered into a huge monster nest (laughs) and uh, my entire early game became trying to survive these wave of monsters and find a place any place to plant a second city and i couldn't do it I couldn't do it. Meanwhile, this AI apparently has no competition. It's just like, you know, like planting cities everywhere because uh-huh. uh, I'm fighting all the monsters. So it was kind of a frustrating, like, oh, okay. So I went the wrong direction at the start of the game, and now my game is over. That's cool. But at least for Rob, he got to do something. All I got to do was tell Rob where things were going wrong because yeah. I'd explored his entire continent, whereas he'd not yeah. at that time been able to. Uh, so I would just say, Rob your opponents just built another city or there's there's troops there so instead of actually playing the game i i really was just a spotter for rob and and occasionally i would threaten people with my alien farms that i was creating and then you tried to attack one enemy city for a a civilization that's pretty far behind and you try to attack their city and it's basically impervious it's like one shot killing all your units um and you just cannot hammer it down which goes back to the whole civilization five cities are basically unconquerable like if you're gonna go the military route you basically just kind of make that your entire game this Um, civilization was this faction had two cities um one unit and was just it was at the bottom of the ladder and i had something like 15 units uh, and they were on the same affinity level as well so it wasn't like their units were any more powerful than mine but their um city strength was what triple Maybe quadruple. The, it was. The it was like. It was like. A, what was it like? Was it like a hundred eighteen? Something ridiculous. Sometimes like that. the just AI abs- just focuses on city defense, and I'm running around with thirties, and they've got like sixty and seventy. I don't understand where it's yeah. all coming from. No. And the thing is, it just it wasn't satisfying because there wasn't anything I could actually do about that because you're just flinging your troops at them, and obviously, and I, I love the hexes, but because of the way the hexes, you can only have a certain amount of troops surrounding them. And the the tiny amount of damage that I would do would be regenerated the next turn. There there was no way for me to win this war despite having the superior military and you know the numbers, wealth, just everything I was better at. But they had these impossible cities. Uh, it was really that's where I kind of just felt like I was sick of it. To be honest, that was not a good match. Yeah. Well. We'll try it again someday after uh, a- after the years of therapy have had time to take effect. <laughs> uh, but 
that does it for our discussion of Beyond Earth. Uh, thanks so much for joining me today. I am off to BlizzCon. Next week we are going to be back with a, an analysis of Pike and Shot, if all things go according to plan. Uh, until then, just remember, no, tr- no village was ever ruined by trade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I, Good night, everybody. God, I hate him. <laughs> <laughs>